Hey Hawkeye fans, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register bringing you a special edition podcast, kind of an unusual one tonight, actually this morning, uh, it's after midnight, um, traveling on Interstate 35 South by myself, uh, just past the uh, Clear Lake, uh, Mason City area, and uh, got a little ways to go before I get home, um, kind of uh, from the uh, Big Ten Women's Tournament up in Minneapolis kind of some crazy snow uh heavy snow actually as i left town and so you know driving like 20 or 30 miles an hour for an hour and a half really wasn't a lot of fun behind snow plows and uh you know trucks thinking that they could pass you in drifts of snow and you know driving past wrecks and (laughs) uh, i'm just glad to be on the open roads of iowa and uh just feeling like talking to you guys so uh if you are listening to this it means i liked uh, what I had to say enough to uh, put it out there, but uh, I just had the uh, the notion, I guess, as I was driving, thinking about uh, my job and Iowa athletics uh, that I cover, and um, just thinking about the joy that this Iowa women's basketball team uh, brings to its fans and, and brings to the basketball court. Uh, this podcast is going to be a hundred percent about uh, the Iowa women's basketball team. Uh, not going to get into the Iowa men's loss today. In fact, I didn't even really get to watch that game uh, against Nebraska. Hawkeye men will be a fifth seed uh, on Thursday morning or early afternoon, I guess, in Chicago instead of playing Friday night in Chicago. So that makes me angry <laughs> because I uh, was, uh, was not hoping to go to Chicago that early. Uh, it's a really, really busy early part of the week for my family and my wife's got a, a real big event at, at her work on Tuesday. We were looking forward to kind of having a Wednesday together to decompress a little bit as a family after uh, this craziness. But uh, thanks to the Hawks' loss, that's not going to happen. But uh, anyway, I told you this was going to be about women's basketball. Uh, the wrestlers did a good job today. Got second place to Penn State. Uh, I felt like you know winning two championships uh, with uh, Spencer Lee and Real Woods. A couple third-place finishes with Max Mirren and Tony Cassiope. Second-place finish for Patrick Kennedy. You know, that's five top three finishes. And then uh, Nelson Brands and uh, Jacob Warner pick up fifth. And then uh, the other three guys got seventh. So uh, pretty pretty strong showing. All ten get to go to Tulsa. And that's that for men's basketball and men's wrestling. Now let's get to the Iowa women, uh, which is where I was the last two days and got to witness uh, uh, really a dynamic performance. I mean, truly one of the great big game performances you'll ever see by not only a team, but an individual. The Iowa women uh, throttle <laughs> the Ohio State Buckeyes, a very good Ohio State Buckeyes team that was once 19-0, and uh, lost one of its better players right before that, or not long before that, and then uh, you know, the Hawkeyes beat them up in Columbus uh, to snap that 19-0 and streak. Uh, that was a double-digit road win against the number two team in the country then. Uh, but this was a, a good Ohio State team. They had just beaten Indiana yesterday on Saturday. They came back from 24 points down to beat the, the top-ranked or top-seeded Hoosiers, second-ranked nationally Hoosiers, uh, to set up the Iowa-Ohio State matchup. And uh, the Hawkeyes win a big behind Caitlin Clark's uh, first. Uh, she became today the first Division One player uh, in the last 20 years to have a game of 30 points and 15 assists in a game. She had 30 points, 10 rebounds, 17 assists. She gets her 10th career triple-double, and she was spectacular, just unbelievable in every way, shape, and form, shooting, passing, bringing energy, um, feeding into the crowd, getting her teammates involved, and uh, that's why she was the MVP of the tournament, and uh, the Hawkeyes ran away with the Big Ten Tournament Championship. And this is a, a uh, league that truly has four elite teams across the country. Now, we will see how it plays out in March Madness. But uh, going into Saturday's games, in fact, going into Sunday's games, uh, Charlie Cream at ESPN had Indiana as a number one seed. In the NCAAs. That will not change. Uh, the Hoosiers, uh, with just three losses this year, uh, will uh, for sure uh, 
uh, be a one seed. In fact, they may end up being the second overall seed in the bracket. Um, kind of think they probably will be, actually, uh, with Stanford losing. And then um, Maryland, even though Iowa beat Maryland on Saturday, had a, has a really strong resume. I mean, one of their five losses before yesterday was to South Carolina. Uh, far and away, the the number one team in the country and uh, you know presumed national title favorite uh, by quite a quite a mile but uh, the Hawkeyes were pegged as a two seed before today and uh, they get uh, the Big Ten Tournament Championship finished 26 and 6 in the last eight days they went ahead and beat second ranked Indiana on a buzzer beating shot by Caitlin Clark they defeated Purdue in the quarterfinals of the Big Ten Tournament then defeated Maryland 89-84 for uh, today's 33-point route of the Ohio State Buckeyes. And that was the largest, I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise, a uh, 33-point championship game, uh, the largest championship game margin in, his, in Big Ten tournament history, uh, which spans uh, well over 20 years. And uh, the field goal percentage tied a record. Caitlin Clark um, has smashed already in three years uh, the Big Ten Tournament career record for assists, and she will in her next game next year uh, break the points record uh, at the Big Ten Tournament, the all-time career points record in the Big Ten Tournament. Um, you know, the Hawkeyes uh, with a record-setting performance, the 105 points were also a, uh, actually there was a Big Ten Tournament record, not just a championship game record, that was a Big Ten Tournament record, 105 points, and if you recall, the Iowa men shattered uh, some Big Ten tournament records a year ago. But back to the women. We're just talking about the women's team today. Um, I, there are so many areas I want to get into when you cover two games over two days and, and do interviews and and kind of soak it in. I mean, these were high-level games. These are uh, these were big-time games uh, in women's basketball, and Hawkeye stepped up. Um, I think I feel like starting actually yesterday – you know, because we didn't do a podcast or anything after Iowa beat Maryland 89-84. Uh, that Maryland team is good. I mean, that would it would not surprise me one bit if the Maryland Terrapins, coached by Brenda Freese, uh, get a two seed and make a march into the Final Four in Dallas in, uh, what, three weeks. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good ball club. Um, you know, they, they got... Every time, I mean, Iowa played great yesterday. I mean, Iowa played really, really well at a high level. And every time, Maryland would just stay in the game. They would claw back from whatever deficit it was. But if it was seven points or eight points, they would get right back into it. And uh, finally, uh, Maryland, after a, a long uh, stretch of, of game, I think it was 38-plus minutes, where Iowa had the lead. I think they Maryland led like 4-3. And then uh, Iowa led the rest of the way. They, they took a pretty sizable early lead, but uh, you could see Maryland was, was going to chip away and then got it to finally got it tied, 79-79. And that's where you thought, oh, man, is this Iowa uh, tournament going to end here in excruciating fashion um, and, and not get that chance to... Uh, get to the Big Ten title and defend the Big Ten championship that Iowa won last year. And uh, there was Gabby Marshall. Gabby Marshall uh, really was, outside of Caitlin Clark, the story of the tournament for the Iowa Hawkeyes. She was 7 for 13 from 3 in that game. 7 for 13 from 3. This is a young woman who was shooting around 20%, two-thirds of the way, through the basketball season, right around 20 or 21 percent from distance, and uh, you know she had always been a three-point uh, marksman, so to speak. Uh, you know, right around you know, I think she was in the 37 percent range one year, 40s another year, 35 another. So she, you know, is uh, that deep threat that the Lisa Bluter four-out offense depends on, and she just was not hitting for two-thirds of the season. And now she is. I mean, she has caught fire. Uh, it was that Maryland loss a couple weeks ago where she kind of got going, hit five for, you know, everybody wants to forget that game, but not Gabby Marshall. She hit five of ten threes in that game, and then she has just been, um, 
she'd kind of gotten going a few games earlier, just like one or two attempts a game, but she was making them. And uh, you can't forget that she's one of Iowa's better defensive players. She really, she really gets up in people's space. She, she gets some pokeaways uh, with steals. She's just a really solid player. And if she's hitting threes, I mean, she is absolutely dynamic. And she was against Maryland. She was hitting big-time threes um, in big spots. And Maryland uh, was happy to leave her open. They didn't, they didn't want Clark and Sonano to beat them. And uh, Marshall and, and Warnock did. Warnock had 21 points in the game. Marshall had 21 points in the game. Uh, but the aforementioned Marshall three was off of Caitlin Clark uh, miss. She put up about a 28-footer with like one second left on the shot clock. It rattled in and out, and there was McKenna Warnock uh, grabbing one of her, I believe it was eight rebounds. It was eight rebounds, all in the second half uh, for Warnock uh, yesterday, and just kicked it out to to Marshall. Minute 44 left in the game, and she was uh, cash money, swishes it. Uh, Iowa ends up hanging on for the 89-84 win. I won't get into the uh, the technical foul that should have been. The officials absolutely blew <laughs> a call that you know could have uh, totally lost that game for Iowa, uh, but they did. But it didn't happen. Iowa uh, showed resiliency. Warnock hit it, uh, four for four free throws at the very end, and the Hawkeyes sealed the victory. Uh, that was uh, another great game for Caitlin Clark. Uh, 22 points, nine assists, I believe. And uh, again, I'm you know keep in mind I'm doing this while I'm driving, so I can't look at any of my notes. Uh, so I'm going to have to uh, rely on my memory and my note taking and um, and the stories I wrote. That helps. It helps when you write stories, and you can kind of you know that helps you learn things. You know when you write things down, and that's uh, so. Hopefully, I can tap into some of that as I'm talking here. But anyway, that was uh, that was a monster win for the Hawkeyes because uh, it not only avenged that loss from a few weeks ago, uh, which was huge. Uh, the players talked about that, uh, you know, kind of washing that away. You know, that just kind of reassuring them that that was an anomaly, that was a fluke, uh, that was a game where Maryland caught fire. I believe they hit 17 or 18 threes. Uh, but as I wrote in my column today, off the Ohio State game. That's probably how the way Iowa felt at Maryland was probably the way Ohio State felt today against the Iowa Hawkeyes, who absolutely could not miss. Uh, the Hawkeyes uh, hit 11 straight field goal attempts at one point, several of them being threes, and they also sprinkled a bunch of free throws in there too. So they actually went, uh, they took a lead of, I believe it was 41 to 13 at one point. Uh, Ohio State just could not get anything to go. It was kind of like, uh, you know, they, they're they using these uh, kind of bouncy orange Wilson balls again uh, for the tournament and uh, tournaments. And, uh, you know, they were just going in and out, off the rim. Ohio State was just off. Uh, Iowa played pretty good defense, I thought, early, and that was huge because that's what, that's what gets Iowa's uh, transition game going. And, man, Caitlin Clark will, uh, can just push that pace so quickly she is relentless she doesn't walk it up the court ever if she gets a chance she's always looking for an opportunity and one thing i noticed that she did a lot today was uh she would race up the court and then kind of hesitate pull up like you know in that 25 foot not quite logo range but uh, maybe top of the key or right of the key left of the key um three-point area just enough to kind of draw an Ohio State defender towards her as if you know, she was going to pull up and shoot because she does that all the time. Uh, I noticed she did that. It's not like that's the first time she's done it, but I, I felt like she did that regularly today. And she would get that Ohio State fen- defender to, you know, take a, a step, you know, try to jump in her space to, to block or, or contend that three-point shot. And she wouldn't take the three-point shot. It was just enough of a hesitation where she drew that defender and then she blew by. Uh, she used uh, her driving game really effectively today. Uh, got a couple and ones, and that just opens things up for you know her to drop off a you know a pass for just an easy layup, uh, you know, for Monica Sonano or McKenna Warnock or whoever else. Um, you know, she 
she was just uh, you know she could do no wrong today. Uh, some of the passes she was making today were insane. Uh, she was uh, hitting her threes. Um, what did she have at halftime? I think 23? 23 points at halftime. That's right. I think she had 23 points, 8 assists. 23 points, 9 assists at halftime. As Iowa led at the break, again, against a really, really good Ohio State team and a well-coached Ohio State team, 61-24 to at halftime. Uh, the 61 points are believed to be a first-half record in the Big Ten tournament, but uh, research had not been... Uh, done by the Big Ten uh, enough to absolutely confirm that, but it has to be. I mean, uh, 61 points uh, is it's that's like an NBA game, <laughs> honestly, with a 24 second shot clock and 24 minutes per half uh, to score 61 and a half. Uh, Iowa was at least at least 17 of 21 from the field at one point uh, as it took that big early lead. And uh, everybody was clicking. I mean, it was uh, uh, Sonano. It was Marshall. Again, Marshall uh, takes three threes in the game, made all three. So she ends up with the tournament, for the tournament, hitting 13 three-point shots. And there was no bigger ovation in the all-tournament announcement. She was the last. They named six women uh, to the team. Uh, Diamond Miller of Maryland was one of them. Ohio State got a couple players. And then it was Caitlin Clark for Iowa, Monica Sinano, the Minnesota native uh, who had a ton of people there uh, all tournament after scoring 26 points today on 11 of 12 shooting. That was a Big Ten record, the .917 field goal percentage. Uh, you know, Monica was great. Uh, her hands are so good. She made some great catches uh, on the ball. And um, I think she had seven boards as well. So uh, she made it. And then the last name mentioned, Gabby Marshall. Um, the spark. The spark, as she is known. And she was uh, fantastic for the week. I can't remember how many attempts she had from three against Purdue. I want to say she was three for six from three in that game. So if I'm right on that, she was three for six in that game. Seven for 13 against Maryland. As Freeman McCaffrey would say, Maryland. And then three for three today. So uh, if I'm doing my math right, that's 13 for 22 from three for the tournament. Uh, that's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, Marshall, I mean, that just opens up this Iowa offense, this Iowa team so much because uh, you, you know what you're going to get from Caitlin Clark. Uh, even, you know, my my colleague Dargan um, is who's obviously on his way to Iowa City right now. Uh, I live in the Des Moines area. Um, you know what was I talking about? Uh, shoot, hate when I lose my train of thought on on because um, I can't even ask Kennington or anyone else to uh, remind me. But uh, anyway, I'll, I'll I know I'll will come back to it. I'll come back to whatever it was. Um, oh yeah, the the well-rounded uh, team, the well-rounded part of the team, because uh, you know you know what you're going to get from Clark. I mean Sonano's as consistent as they come with field goal percentage. Now, sometimes teams uh, do a good job taking her away, like Maryland did a couple weeks ago, where she only had four points. But she's really difficult to stop uh, when she gets the ball on the block and, and does her uh, you know, spin move to the hoop. And uh, So you know what you're going to get from them, and that's why Maryland a couple weeks ago said, oh, well, we're just going to stop Clark and we're going to stop Sonano. We're going to box in one Clark and we're not going to let Sonano get the ball. So that meant McKenna Warnock, Gabby Marshall, Kate Martin, others had to step up and score. Uh, Sydney Affelter um, in that Maryland game as well. Well, they didn't do, you know, not enough people stepped up. I believe Warnock was 3 for 14 in that Maryland game. Uh, but now with Marshall heating up, that gives Iowa that extra three-point threat. And I even tweeted this on one of Caitlin Clark's threes because... Marshall is now, not that she never wasn't respected, but when she's being, when she's this hot from deep, she is going to attract attention and Ohio State, or I'm sorry, yeah, Ohio State, uh, you know, was trying to get in her space. She couldn't get off a three 
and then she flipped it over when when she got guarded to a wide open Caitlin Clark. So Gabby Marshall opening up sp- perfect evidence there that she is opening up she is opening up room for Caitlin to operate, and that is the beauty of the four out offense. That's why that's why and how it works. Uh, did a piece earlier this week as as hopefully a lot of you read. It was a subscriber only piece, but uh, the feedback's been really awesome on it. And uh, uh, if you if you're not a subscriber, um, you know it's like 49 bucks a year on Hawk Central, so that's like four bucks a month. Um, and you can get access to all our articles, all my columns, everything, text group, whatnot. Um, anyway, did a piece on Bluter and uh, just talked about all the uh, everything that's made her the coach that she is. Um, and it's it really was. A, I'm so glad I wrote the piece. I'm so glad I wrote the piece. Number one. I think everyone needed to, everyone who read it needs to and does appreciate the job that Lisa Bluter has done at the University of Iowa. Let me come back to that in a minute. But what she, in this four out offense, what it requires is a really good point guard and a really good post. And the way it works is if you've got other people that can hurt you, especially from three. And that's why the design of Iowa's starting five is so good because Marshall is that two guard. If she's hitting like a true shooting guard, which she is right now, um, that opens up a lot because she can get kickouts, she can get passes from Caitlin, and then McKenna Warnock, you know, the power four, the four in the system, she can hit threes. Now, she was hitting against Maryland as well in the second half. She did not the first time. Uh, she she wasn't a big offensive factor today, but she did have ten boards. And then Kate Martin is uh, you know we've my, you know Dargan and I have kind of I mean I, uh, I've turned termed her sort of the Connor McCaffrey of the women's team because she's the glue. She does it all. She's always got those lines of like eight points, seven boards, six assists, or something like that. And that was basically what she did all tournament long. Uh, I think she ended up with 30 points, 18 boards, 15 assists for the tournament in three games. I mean, that's, you know, talk about a, you know, a glue line. And uh, she's, she can hit the three as well. So she's a perfect three guard, uh, three forward, and, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, three, three. Let's call her a three. But anyway, uh, so that's kind of the system, and then it's it's nice when – you know, you can mix it up a little with Hannah Stolke at the four and, and put her on the, you know, you know, high block and uh, Monica on the low and, uh, you know, work it that way, kind of like they used to do with Hannah Stewart and Megan Gustafson. Um, you know, they, they, they can throw some wrinkles in there with that. Uh, Affelter was great today, by the way, before I forget. I did want to mention her. I forgot to mention her in my column. Uh, but she had 11 points, uh, really – really got a lot of run off the bench early uh i think i think bluter was trying to make sure kate martin didn't get a second foul she got an early foul and she gave uh affelter that's just a, such smart coaching you know you take just give give you know you you know the idea give being you know give kate martin a couple minutes of rest while she has one foul you don't want her to get two quick ones and then you got to you know then you got to play affelter you know or, or compensate for her maybe for a lot longer than you want to Instead, give her a rest, let her come back in. You know, time has passed on the clock. She can play a little bit more freely. She's not afraid to get that second foul right off the bat. And then uh, Affleter really stepped up, and she ended up with 11 points. I think her very first possession, she took one right to the rack and scored. I mean, everybody was scoring. so. Um, but still, uh, she was great. And that's, a, that's another huge development for this team. So she's kind of like that, the Kate Martin backup right now. And obviously, Kate's coming back for her sixth year next year, which is huge. And so is Gabby Marshall coming back for her fifth year. So uh, two women using their COVID years next year, that's going to be really, really good news for the Hawkeyes. But, um, you, you know, you're just seeing the depth right now and pieces build for the Hawkeyes. Between, you know, Molly Davis, who, who gives you a solid veteran ball handler as needed. Uh, you know, she, you know, the scoring just hasn't really been there for her this year. And I just sometimes I wonder, like, you know, I, I think she's happy being on a winning team. 
But uh, obviously she's not getting nearly the minutes she was uh, over at Central Michigan where she was a leading scorer, um, you know, on an NCAA tournament team. So, um, but that just shows you how deep this Iowa team is when a player like that is really kind of a bit player uh, on this roster. Uh, so between Davis, Stolke, and Affelter, I mean, those are, that's a really good eight right there. Um, and flexible, too, because uh, Stolke can play the four and five. Uh, you know, Kate Martin can, can flex, uh, you know, a little bigger if need be. Uh, you know, Warnock being the four. You know, she could uh, she could be the four, Stolke the five. Uh, there's a lot of options there. And then, uh, you know, Caitlin hardly ever comes off the floor. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, you're pretty much good with Caitlin, Gabby Marshall, and Molly Davis. And that way, Affelter uh, can play pretty much back up three minutes and then uh, Stolke can kind of play back up four back up five uh, to Warnock and Sonata I just really like the rotation right now one thing uh, I'm going to be all over the place because I don't have an outline and, you, and as thoughts come in my head I'm going to talk one thing Lisa Bluter talked about in the uh, in, um, trophy ceremony was how blessed they were uh, that they stayed very healthy this year really you know Kylie Fierbach obviously that was a you know, season-ending injury, you know, before the season started, and uh, or before it got going, I can't remember if she played a couple games or not. Now, off the top of my head, but uh, anyway, yeah, I think it was before the season. And um, but other than that, they've stayed really healthy this year. Now, last year that wasn't the case. You know, Warnock missed a little time this year with that that rib issue, but that was that was not long. It was not pronounced. And don't forget, she missed that game up in Columbus um, back in early February. So, you know, she she wasn't there. You know, Iowa wasn't full strength in that game either. I mean, that wasn't a totally excuse for Ohio State. So, um, anyway, so what I'm trying to say is, uh, you know, Bluter was very appreciative that everyone had stayed healthy. I mean, talk about – and that's the other thing about as we look ahead to the postseason, which we will hear as this podcast goes on you got to take advantage when you're healthy. Um, you know, Caitlin Clark, you know, we've seen what's happened with Paige Beckers up at UConn, for example. You know, it's it's no guarantee that you're going to make it through a 32-game season healthy um, you're, you know, as a star player. I mean, if, if Caitlin goes down, I mean, <laughs> this team isn't going anywhere. Uh, no question about it. Um, that's why she's going to be National Player of the Year. There's, there's no way she's not um, going to be National Player of the Year, especially after that performance today I'll you know as if there was any doubt but uh, this will she will be the national player of the year uh, for the first time so uh, that'll be well deserved when that happens uh, but obviously that's down the road uh, what were we talking about um, Bluter back to Bluter yeah staying healthy and and she just said and this is what I kind of wanted to get into in this podcast hold on this is such a tight knit team and that's part of what Bluter does as a coach for those that didn't read my article I'll give you a few um, morsels from it here uh, because it's worth appreciating talk to Megan Gustafson who's in Greece right now uh, we, we arranged a zoom call and we talked for a um, decent amount of time probably 15-20 minutes and uh, she talked about how I thought this was really poignant. So first of all, she said she changed my life. Lisa Bluter changed my life. Um, you know, because she basically turned her in from a turned her into the best player in college basketball, the Naismith Player of the Year. After you know, from tiny Port Wing, Wisconsin. Okay, so uh, Lisa Bluter believed in her, uh, as did the coaching staff. Believed in Megan Gustafson, and um, but anyway, what Megan said was. And then I put this in the story that when they when these coaches they go to AAU tournaments wherever high school games to scout these young women they are looking for how they support their teammates and you may not maybe you don't think that's a big deal but that is a core principle something that Lisa Bluter Jan Jensen Jan Jensen. Uh, everybody else they are looking for in people they bring into the program and I get kind of emotional actually when I, when I think back to this part of the column 
because uh, Lisa Bluter said something about midway maybe it was even two thirds of the way through our interview so I had I had a phone call with Lisa Bluter uh, the day after Iowa beat Indiana so on Monday this past Monday um, and her voice was really hoarse she was sick um, could hardly hear so she was um, but she obviously is a gamer and uh, I asked her she was talking about um, her goals so, and I asked her what her goal is because she said something about uh, you know Jan Jensen and Jenny Fitzgerald um, who have been with her for 31 years now as coaches 8 at Drake and now 23 at Iowa said you know we haven't we haven't accomplished what we came here to do 23 years ago and I was like I mean I'm thinking about ESPN game day being there I'm thinking about you've got the national play of the year you've won Big Ten tournaments you've won Big Ten regular seasons you win 20 games every year not that you know Iowa hasn't been in Final Four obviously under Bluter it's been to an Elite Eight so I said what are so what did you come here to accomplish? And she she kind of uh, kind of stops in her tracks a little bit, I would say, and didn't want to answer. She didn't. She's like I. She said I learned a long time ago not to tell people your dreams. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I respect that. And she said, there's enough people in the world that want to tear down your dreams. And as soon as you tell them your dreams, they want to tear them down. So she doesn't. She doesn't do that. Um, at least not publicly. Privately, yeah. And here's what she said. She said, "When I was in high school, she went to Linmar High School. I don't think I put that in the story. But she went to Linmar High School. She's from Marion. Um, she, an older female administrator at the school." Um, Maybe told her that she would never get a college scholarship. Can you imagine telling someone that? Yeah, as a an adult, you know, especially somebody who's a who's a really good basketball player, Lisa Bluter, uh, Lisa Gesky at the time, uh, was a really good basketball player. Um, and Lisa Bluter heard that, and her dreams were, were kind of crushed. And she did get a scholarship. She got a half scholarship at the University of Northern Iowa in 1979. It was $1,100 a year. $1,100 a year. But that meant, but what she told me was, that meant the world to me that she got the scholarship. She did achieve her dream, even though someone told her, someone she probably really respected told her she would not be able to achieve that dream. She did. And she ended up being a really good player for Northern Iowa. And she took that experience and shortly after marrying her husband, Dave, I didn't even really put this in the story. This was uh, this is all just background. She kind of, on a whim, applied for the NAIA head coaching job at St. Ambrose before she was getting ready to kind of start her, her life as a, as a newlywed, basically. <laughs> And uh, she got the job. Like to her surprise, she got the job. And uh, pretty soon, she turned St. Ambrose into a winner, like a big winner. Took that, went to Drake, turned them into a big winner. Then she came to Iowa. Anyway, she said, "You." She surrounds herself with people who lift up her dreams. Lift up your dreams. And, and she was, she's, she creates an environment where everyone lifts up each other's dreams and supports each other, not tear them down. So if they're all in this together and they lift up, your, and, and you've got people that are lifting up your dreams, you can and love one another, then you can get a lot more out of your players as a coach. And Bluter said, "I know that sounds selfish, but I'm the best coach I can be when I'm." when I show as much love as I can to my players. And another thing that was kind of interesting in that story, I feel like I'm giving too much away, but it's okay. It's okay. I, I want people to know what Lisa Bluter and this program are all about. 
she said, um, that, um, we were talking about dreams, right? Um, hang on. Lost my train of thought again. Sorry. Uh, I'll get, I'll get it. Don't worry. Um, We're talking about lifting up dreams, lifting up dreams. Um, that she earlier in her career, I got it, I remembered. <laughs> uh, live live podcast on uh, I thirty five South, making good time though, making good time, passing the time. Uh, that she early in her career, she really admired Pat Summit. This was a long time ago, obviously in the eighties. You know, she in the '80s, early '90s. Um, you know, Pat Summit, uh, women's basketball coaching icon. Bobby Knight was in the '80s was maybe the best seen as the best men's basketball coach. Slightly different styles, but both in-your-face type coaches, in-your-face type coaches that would really get on players. Pat Summit grab people by the jersey, get in their face. Bobby Knight, you know the story on Bobby Knight. I mean, very intense. <laughs> Ended up costing him, costing him his job, ultimately, um, at Indiana. Lisa, Lisa Bluter said, I was like that early in my career, but I found out that I wasn't as good a coach like that, and that wasn't me. And that was also something that Jan, she said, this is her words, Jan Jensen um, helped instill in her 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 long time you know uh, first of all player um, superstar player at Drake and then became coach and uh, best friend basically and uh, you know Jan who's an amazing person um, encouraged her to lean into her true personality don't be somebody you're not and so Lisa Bluter um, has kind of formed her program in that way and uh, won the first won the Big Ten tournament her very first year. By the way, as a two seed, it's now four Big Ten tournament titles under Lisa Bluter uh, for the Hawkeyes. She won it her first year, and then not again until 2019. Megan Gustafson's senior year, the Elite Eight team, and now has won it back to back with Caitlin Clark, 22 and, and 23. Uh, remember, in, in 2021, the Hawkeyes were a six seed. That was Caitlin's freshman year. And uh, they went uh, four games in four days to get to the title game. Then then got blown out by Maryland in that one. But the Hawkeyes were really proud of what they did that year uh, to get to the Big Ten Finals as a six seed in the Big Ten Tournament. And that team, if you recall, again, uh, kind of that COVID year with no fans or limited fans, that team did go to the Sweet 16 uh, that year. So, uh, And then lost to UConn, as you recall. So... Um, pretty impressive what Bluter has done and uh, you know I think uh, you just see it and that's why that's kind of why I want to give you that background you just see it when you watch these girls uh, women uh, play uh, just the joy and it's always been that way I mean it's been it was that way with Gustafson's team it was that way with Kathleen Doyle's team um, you know this was uh, this is a program that keeps taking the next step it seems that keeps taking the next step Five of the six, uh, five of the last six Big Ten players of the year, Gustafson twice, Doyle once. Uh, you know, Caitlin did not win it her freshman year, but then has won it the last two. She very much could have won it those for her first year, but didn't. Uh, but you know, she's won the last two, and you know, as long as she stays healthy, she's going to win another one, and maybe even another one if she sticks around for a fifth year and uses that COVID year, which is just crazy to think about. Uh, by the way, she crossed 2,500 career points today. Um, pretty amazing. Uh, Gustafson's, I think, uh, 28-0-something. So, yeah, she's she'll pass Gustafson next year, <laughs> like midway through the year. If not sooner. I mean, if she averages 30, she might average. I mean, who knows how long this tournament's going to go. She could play. <laughs> she'll be at 2,600 by, you know, easily. Uh, if Iowa plays four games here in the postseason at least um, in the NCAA tournament. Anyway, getting sidetracked here. But anyway, that's kind of the Bluter program. Um, and now 
I'd have to say. Let's tr- just kind of transition into the finale here because I don't want to talk forever. Uh, gosh, I've gone 40 minutes. How is that possible? Uh, so as Iowa heads into the NCAA tournament, this looks like Lisa Bluter's best team. I mean, this today was, uh, even she said it, I've never, rarely if ever, seen a team play that well in a quarter, second quarter, when Iowa just absolutely uh, ballooned this thing. I mean, really it was like the last you know, 16 minutes of the first half uh, where they just took took kind of a choppy start. Iowa had four turnovers in its first six possessions today. And then just got going. They really got going when, when Caitlin um, uncorked a three. Uh, I think Iowa scored once on his first seven possessions. And then it was like Iowa was down 4-3. And Caitlin was just like, that's enough. I'm just going <laughs> to pull up and you know, this offense, tired of turning it over. Pulled up, hit a three. Then the Hawkeyes were off and running. That was the first shot of, I think, 11 straight makes. But uh, anyway... Um, so this looks like their best team. The way they're playing right now. Uh, you subtract the Maryland loss. And this team really hasn't had a dud since 2022. I mean, you could even say, you know, that loss to Illinois uh, on January 1st. I think it was January 1st, right? Um, yeah, Illinois played great that day. They had, and they they suffered. They would have been. They might have been a top four Big Ten team if if not for some injuries. So that was a really good team, and it was on the road. And you know, Iowa lost. I think Caitlin fouled out in that game. Yeah, she did. And uh, you know, I think Iowa still lost by only four or something like that. So uh, this is a really good team. This is a really good team. So, you know, this is it for Sonano and. The connection that those two have, it's going to be hard to replace. I'm not. It can be replaced, but it's going to take time. Even if Hannah Stolke is really, really good next year, just the the ability for for Clark to to find Sonano and trust those catches all the time. Um, I mean, there's just some there's some Mahomes level passes, <laughs> and I know Caitlin's a uh, Chiefs fan. Mahomes level passes that she delivers throughout these games um she takes chances yeah but it has to be demoralizing for an opponent you play good defense and she just drops a dime into Sonano through a double team for like an easy layup (laughs) it's just uh it's got to be just so demoralizing um uh, this this team is uh it's on a mission they've learned uh, that was one thing I I wrote about today Uh, this you know, they had the early season losses to K-State, UConn, NC State, and then Illinois, as I mentioned. They've only lost two since. They lost at Indiana and at Maryland. Those are the only two games they've lost since January 1st. Um, you know, and they've beaten Indiana, Maryland twice. They've beaten Ohio State twice. They, beat, they won at Michigan, if you recall. They won at Michigan State with all kinds of craziness of foul trouble. Uh, that's a pretty decent Michigan State team. They swept Nebraska. Decent Nebraska team. Swept Purdue. Um, it's just a really good team right now. Really good team. And as good as Iowa was playing last year, this team is this team is better. Uh, one of the big factors, I think, is Caitlin Clark is has reduced her turnovers a lot. Uh, that was something she wanted to do. Uh, I know I, I know I refer back to the interview I had with her last May where I spent some time with her working out. I didn't work out. <laughs> I observed, took notes, interviewed her between work between sessions and uh, her trainer. and she talked about needing to get stronger. This is it back in May. This is she was working back in Des Moines, West Des Moines, uh, working out, talked about the need to get stronger to take the punishment. Because as you recall, last year against Creighton, she, you know, I mean, there should have been more foul calls, obviously, but she got she got banged around, and there was other games she got kind of got uh, bumped around and didn't hold up to the contact. Um, and she has gotten stronger, gotten stronger in her legs. Uh, you know, she's 
<laughs> having sitting uh, seated courtside, she's got a lot of bruises uh, on her legs and and body. She's taking she's still taking a, a beating. I mean, Maryland really roughed her up, tried to anyway, uh, but obviously she gets her points. Uh, and uh, the other thing was the turnovers. Those were two of her biggest things. Defense, of course, and I think she's gotten better at that. But turnovers and strengthening her body were two real high priorities this offseason, and she's done that. And she is playing at so much so much of a higher level she, than she was even last year when she was Big Ten Player of the Year, uh, leading the country in assists and points. Uh, but she's better this year. And that's, you know, and that's, uh, that's a huge factor. Um, you know, Kate Martin is playing great. Uh, you know, Warnock is probably, you know, gives you what you need at the four spot. You know, I was not... They just need uh, gritty rebounds, be able to hit the three, and hit your free throws. And McKenna Warnock, by and large, does that. They got more depth this year. Remember last year they had a lot of injuries. Uh, Marshall was out a while. Warnock was out a while. Um, you know, there's... Uh, they were a real thin rotation last year. Uh, did, you know, basically seven deep at for a lot of the year, much or for a big stretch last year, even when they were winning, uh, they were getting it done with just seven. And then, uh, so anyway, they are just they're deeper, they're healthier, they're playing better. And now, let's talk about this as we close. The draw. What will the draw be for the NCAA tournament? Obviously, it kind of stinks that you have to wait two weeks to play again. <laughs> um, you know, twelve days or whatever it is because uh, this team is red hot right now, having won uh, four straight games, two of them against projected number one seeds in the NCAA tournament, and then two other real solid wins, including Ohio State and Purdue. So playing really good, and will they get a one? Uh, So much happened uh, this past weekend. Really, all the big conference tournaments except the Big 12 are in the books. Big 12 plays this week, but... Uh, the Big 12 doesn't have a team in the mix for a one seed. So uh, all the all the top seeds uh, have kind of uh, played. And so South Carolina will absolutely be the one seed. Coming into this weekend, Iowa was the last two seed. So they, you know, according to Charlie Cream, who's usually pretty much right on the money, uh, he's the only real uh, bracketologist for the women's game that uh, anyone looks at. Um so he's obviously consulting with you know people on the committee, whatnot. So he knows what he's talking about. It's going to be pretty darn accurate, uh, pretty close to accurate. So Iowa was the last two seed coming into this. So think about that as the overall. If you're thinking about overall seeds, Iowa was eight coming into this Big Ten tournament. Okay. So can you get to a one in just three games out of a 32-game season? Obviously, probably a stretch, but amazing results happen for Iowa this weekend. First off, obviously Indiana lost, but that's not gonna that's not gonna be a factor. Indiana will be a one seed, probably the number two overall seed, almost for sure. Uh, you know, these were not ba- bad losses. <laughs> Ohio State's a really good team. Uh, their other other two losses, one was uh, against Michigan State without Grace Berger. You know, that'd be like uh, almost like Iowa losing a game without Caitlin Clark. Not quite, but kind of like that. And then uh, the other, the only other loss that they had was to University of Iowa <laughs> in front of 15,000 people on a Caitlin Clark buzzer beater by one point. So Indiana's a one. Okay, three losses. They're the, probably the number two overall seed. Number three overall seed looks to be Stanford, even though Stanford lost in the Pac-12 tournament semifinals. Um, but Stanford's had a, a real solid season, so they're probably, and they got to throw a West Coast team in there, right? So they're probably going to be the three overall seed. Um, you know, one loss isn't going to kill them. And so that leaves the fourth number one seed available. Uh, before this week, Maryland, uh, I'm sorry, Utah was the number one seed. Utah went out in the Pac-12 quarterfinals. That not, that was a bad loss. That's like uh, the equivalent of Iowa losing to Nebraska at home, which that can't possibly happen, right? So Utah has has definitely fallen off the one line. Uh, that's uh, you know that would have been two Pac-12 teams anyway. Um, 
but they were they were projected one. So then after they lost uh, the other day, Maryland moved up. So Maryland was the top uh, two seed. So consider them as the fifth before this weekend started, like the fifth overall seed. Okay? Um, maybe six. Maybe six. No, fifth. Fifth. I think it was fifth. Um, because LSU was sixth. Virginia Tech, seven. Iowa, eight. That's kind of how I think it was constructed, if I recall. If you look at the brackets, because South Carolina won, Indiana two, whatnot. So um, Utah falls off. LSU loses to Tennessee in the SEC tournament semifinals. Now Tennessee's not bad, but SEC is not good. So the SEC, you know, it's like South Carolina, LSU, and not much else for the most part. Think of it that way. So. That's a kind of a not great loss for LSU. That's not enough to get a one, obviously, <laughs> if you're going to lose in your conference tournament semifinals to a team you should beat. You're not going to move up. So who jumps them? Virginia Tech, who is at seven overall. They won the ACC tournament. Right now, Charlie Cream does have Virginia Tech. Even after the Big Ten tournament, he has Virginia Tech as the one seed uh, in a West regional. Obviously, Iowa's going to host two games, but and then has Iowa the two in that region. So at this point, he's got Virginia Tech as a fourth overall seed, and, and apparently they have a lot of really good upper echelon wins this year. Um, so I haven't looked into it deep enough, but you know, apparently they have pretty good quality wins. So um, either way. Either they're the four overall seed or I was the five, or I was the four, and then vice versa. That's kind of how it looks like the NCAA tournament bracket is going to break. And it makes sense because then you can put uh, Maryland. You can put Maryland as the six overall and put them in the Stanford region. Put them So pair South Carolina as the one with Utah. That's, where, that's what Cream has now. So Utah fell to eight. So South Carolina, Utah as one, one seed, two seed. You got Indiana, LSU, one seed, two seed. You've got Stanford, Maryland, one seed, two seed, and Virginia Tech, Iowa, or flip them, one seed, two seed. Now, if Lisa Bluter, Caitlin Clark said today, um, they think Iowa should be a one, and of course they're going to say that. Of course they're going to say that. Uh, I'm not here to compare side by side resumes. I just know that. The Big Ten has four teams. Uh, you know, Ohio State was was vying for a two seed as well. So Ohio State was either a two or a three, depending on how this shook out. Maybe they fall back to a three now, I guess. Um, yeah, I think they would have moved to a two if they won. I think that's what I I read in, in, in the comments of the bracketology before the tournament or for the championship game. So um, I think those are going to be the draws. I, it just makes total sense. It, it worked out perfectly really. Uh, I, I don't really see another machination unless unless they threw Iowa out west as the sixth overall seed and maybe put LSU with that, 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 that doesn't even make they'd have to put LSU with Indiana then and then Virginia Tech would be with Maryland I guess. But then in that case Maryland would be ahead of Iowa. Which that doesn't make sense. That just does not equate to me. When Iowa won two extra games in the Big Ten tournament than Maryland did and beat Maryland two out of three and, you know, won the Big Ten tournament title. I mean, Maryland was the three seed in the regular season, Big Ten, and did not make the Big Ten tournament finals. Iowa was the two seed, won the Big Ten tournament. And, you know, you have to kind of look at early season results. I mean, Iowa is, like I said, lost two games since January 1st. Two games. That's it. And they've had a target on their back all year. Every team has been shooting for Iowa because why? Won the regular season last year, won the postseason last year, and they have Caitlin Clark. Iowa's been in lots of hostile arenas. Now, yeah, some of those fa- a lot of those fans come to see Caitlin Clark, but a lot of them come to root against Caitlin Clark. Uh, sitting on press row, uh, courtside, with fans behind us, not everybody loves Caitlin Clark. In fact, neutral fans and other fans 
a lot of them don't. It, they don't. They don't like your antics or whatever. And I'm, I love the antics, and I think you probably do too as Hawkeye fans. But that's because she's on your team, right? So uh, she's great for the game. Um, just great for the game. Um, but some people just don't like that she complains every time to the officials. <laughs> and that's what we heard. That's what we heard the other, you know, from from a lot of fans behind us, especially one fan. Um, man, he was nuts. Um, anyway, so um, where were they going with this? I don't know, but I'm just saying this is if you're if you're going to seed if you're the NCAA selection committee, it really doesn't matter too much. Um, if I was a two or or one, but I think you still want to be the one, don't you? Because because uh, then you're facing a four to get to the Elite Eight, right? At best. At best. Whereas if you're a two, you're facing a three seed. Maybe that three seed's UConn again. Now, if you're the top two seed, you're supposed to, in theory, face the last three seed in the Sweet 16 matchup. That's how it's supposed to work. So uh, that's another advantage of moving up this week the overall seed line. Even if I was number five in the overall seeds when it comes to Selection Sunday, they would get the, theoretically, the number 12 overall seed in the Sweet 16. And according to the Charlie Cream bracket, Iowa would be out west in Seattle in the regional, if they make it that far. Big if. Didn't make it last year out of Iowa City. But, uh, I kind of, I don't know. I think, I think there's probably, I bet there'd be mixed feelings. You know, going out to Seattle, um, that's a long ways. It's a really long ways to play a regional. Uh, Greenville, South Carolina is the other one. So they're put, they're putting, uh, you know, eight teams in Greenville, eight teams in Seattle uh, for the Sweet 16 and, and Elite Eight. That's how they're doing it this year. Instead of four sites, they're trying to consolidate. Um, you know, get more fans in one spot, more interest in one spot, media in one spot. So kind of makes sense. I like it, actually. Just don't really like the locations. <laughs> Would have liked one a little bit closer. But uh, anyway, uh, looks like I, I'm just under an hour here, so I want to get I, – I feel like I really should, uh, practically speaking, do a, a women's basketball podcast while I'm driving uh, in less than an hour and I'm just about ready to make it under the gun. So I uh, hope that that was valuable for you guys. And um, I, think I'll, I think I will post it. I think I will post it. I mean, I don't want to put on in all this work and then not post it, right? So anyway, I really appreciate you guys following. Uh, I hope you read my column. Um, uh, read Dargan's Game Story 2. Got a couple of videos up as well. Um Remember column is uh, kind of recaps uh, the day, the weekend, and looks ahead. So uh, it's kind of the you know what you try to do uh, when you're writing. You try to you know, consume what happened, but also kind of look forward. So that's kind of where I'm at with this team. Really like this team. It's going to be a lot of fun to follow. Uh, one last comment. You know why is UConn women's basketball so big? Gino Ariama, right? Well. What was UConn like before that? This Iowa basketball program is starting to gain a national a national following. It's starting to gain... It's definitely gaining a regional following based on what we saw at the Target Center. Tournament record crowds. Almost, I would say, 90% Iowa fans. So, yes, Caitlin Clark, generational talent, has a big part in that. Huge part in that. Monster part in that. But we've seen this building for years, though. I mean, this is something that's uh, that Lisa Bluter has gradually gained steam on. Fan interest is at an all-time high. I can tell you that from our online metrics when we post women's basketball stories. Um, interest has never been higher in Iowa women's basketball, ever. And it's not just Caitlin Clark. Lisa Bluter and this whole team, the way they play, the way they love each other, the way they win, the exciting style they play, 
way they packed arenas, and there's going to be two sold-out arenas in the NCAA tournament in a couple weeks. Uh, hopefully, for them, for all you fans going to those games, uh, cheering on Iowa to the Sweet 16, and potentially uh, making the Final Four with this team. We will see. It takes a lot of luck to do that. Uh, you, can't, you can't have a cold shooting night because all these teams are good. But uh, this Iowa team uh, is a lot of fun and has set the stage for pretty exciting March Madness. For Chad, for Chad Lystico, I'm Chad Lystico. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone, to this Hawk Center podcast. So long. Good night.